what's going on. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. If you ask me what tool has been the most impactful for my business, I would without a doubt tell you that it's been meditation. Meditating has always been a way for me to get quiet with myself and hear my inner voice who always knows what's best for me. Let's face it. We women entrepreneurs are bombarded with social media feeds, events, and so-called experts telling us what we should do to grow our businesses and have success. But at the end of the day, we each know what the right moves are for us in order to feel truly fulfilled and aligned in our companies. This is why I created the Meditation for Women podcast, so that you can have a powerful tool created with you in mind to help you hear your inner voice, find peace in moments of high anxiety, and let's be honest, we all have that in our businesses, and ultimately take the next best steps in your journey as a woman. So go check it out. Just search for Meditation for Women in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show right now. And if you love it, subscribe, rate it, and review it. I would love to share this gift of meditation with you as you continue your own beautiful journey. Karen Rowe is a full-service ghostwriter. She helps elite executives write books in three days or less in a signature program that she calls Book at the Beach. Before Karen created this $15,000 program, she was doing any and every kind of writing that she could just to pay the bills, often charging just $2,000 to help her clients over time write their books. She knew she was putting herself out of business. So with just $20 to her name, She took on her first Book at the Beach clients, and her entire world changed from there. During this amazing conversation, Karen discusses how she came up with the idea to package her services as Book at the Beach, and what was going on in her mind the first few times that she sold it. We also discuss how Karen hates marketing. So instead of implementing a marketing plan that looks like she's everywhere, she created a marketing strategy that she actually enjoys doing and is perfectly in line with her dream client. Hint, it is not showing up on social media every day. If you've ever struggled with how to truly charge for what you're worth, how to charge high dollar for a high-end program, or you want to figure out how to make you and your services stand out from everyone else's in your industry, this episode was created for you. Karen Rowe, what is going on, girl? Hey, how are you doing? I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> Me too. I'm excited. It's been a long time coming, girl. You and I have known each other for... Five years. Five years now? Five years since I, I moved to Tampa and I met you within months of me moving here. Oh my gosh. So what I want to do is I deliberately sought you out to have this exact conversation today because I think it is so worthwhile for every woman entrepreneur running her business for many, many reasons that you will hear throughout this conversation. So I want to dive right in to asking you, how did you come up with the idea of starting a product and a service called Book at the Beach? 
Well, the first thing I'll say is that you need to figure out what you want to do and then find a way to do it. So I knew that I wanted to be a writer. And I also knew that I looked at what are the things that I like to do. And I really wanted to find a way to go to the beach and get paid for it. And believe it or not, that's what happened. But I will say that the initial concept of going to the beach for three days, kind of locking the door and just getting everything I needed to get done from the client came from a client. Basically, he said, anything you can do to make this process easier for me, like if you can come to my office and we can have sessions to get the writing done and get this first draft done. And I, of course, I agreed. And when we sat down to schedule out the time between his schedule and my schedule, we realized this is going to take six months just to get the first draft done. So he said, what if I just get us two hotel rooms at the beach and we spend three days out there and we get this thing done? Can you do it? And I said, yes, not having any concept about whether or not that was a true statement. <laughs> so, <laughs> say yes and you'll figure it out, right? <laughs> say yes and you'll figure it out. And it also really appealed to me because I don't want to spend six months getting this done. If we can do it in three, let's figure it out. So the other thing I did is that I had a business coach. I called him freaking out saying, I just said I would do this first draft in three days. I really thought he was going to say, hang up the phone, call him back, get out of it. And he just laughed and said, you actually have everything you need in terms of your process. It's just, what do we need from him in those three days? And then he helped me plan it out and he helped me name it. Like we were going to call it your vacation book away. And then we came up with Book at the Beach. And then I did it for the first time and I knew... I was onto something because I was talking to this person whose idea it was at one of his events and a person sitting next to me said, I need that. And he actually booked me before the other guy. So Come he, on. Like, yeah, he changed <laughs> his flight. He called his office says, I'm not going to be in next week. Like he got everything he needed out of the way so he could stay in Florida. And he ended up being my first client. So that's when I knew I was onto something. I mean, that was kind of a long time coming. How many years had you been writing and been coaching people on writing their book, been assisting people, copywriting, writing blog posts for people of all sorts of genres? How long had you been doing that before this happened? Well, I've been in business now for 10 years. So I started the business in around 2008, 2009. And I've been doing the book at the beach for probably four years now. So that was a good six years of me figuring it out before I kind of got my what I call the signature offering. Let's talk about that signature offering because what is generally attached to a signature offering is the signature price point. <laughs> yep. Give me an example of what you would charge people prior to this Book at the Beach concept and then what you actually did charge for the Book at the Beach. Sure. What I'll say is when I first started out, I undercharged severely for my services. So I initially, when I switched to a done-for-you program, I ran a pilot program and I offered essentially the same outcome, which was I will write and publish your book at such a deep discount that I didn't even charge enough to cover my expenses. So oh, that wow. was... You're crazy. losing money on that. Yeah. So obviously a huge mistake. So what I would say to anyone listening, if you're thinking about developing a signature program, and obviously you want beta testers and beta people and things like that. So by all means, run a pilot program, do a beta test, but don't undervalue your time and, and services so much. The other issue is that it took me I was still figuring out the process and it took me years to finish some of those books that I would charge, say, $2,000 for. So for about two years, 
I was working for free for the most part, right? And oh my gosh. So now I charge for that same service $15,000. Was this client that you're talking about, or I guess both of these clients, one who jumped in line ahead and booked it right before the other one, did they initially pay that $15,000? They did. Yep. What was going on in your mind to jump from, hey, I'll do this thing for $2,000. And then all of a sudden you're like, it feels like we're cheating, right? Oftentimes when we live in our gifts, it feels like we're cheating and we're kind of ripping people off. It's so quote unquote easy for us. I say that with a little bit of a laugh because you had spent a ton of years prior doing your work, coming up with your processes, developing the skills to be able to actually make that three-day weekend happen. But it feels funny. Like, should I be charging this much? What was going on in your head the first time or the first couple of times that you were like, this is how much it is? Well, so real talk, it was born out of necessity. I was so broke at that time that I was still struggling to make rent. My first book at the beach, I think I had $20 to my name and I had to wait. And he wrote me a check that I had to wait until I was done the service because I was at the beach. I wasn't at home. I tell the story. I mean, not very often, but I tell the story that that first day I lived on that $20. And then the second day, the hotel we were working at had oranges and I ate oranges for the entire day just to get through the service. So part of that was that it was born out of necessity that it's like, I actually need this to keep the lights on in a very real and literal way. But the other thing is that for six years, I had been undercharging really consistently. And I just got to the point where I was just sick of it. I was like, I just can't keep doing this anymore. And I guess the consequence of continuing to undercharge was that I was going to go out of business. So I was really clear that this is what I'm meant to be doing on the planet. Like my gift is to help people get their message and capture their genius on a page. And if I'm not charging enough, then I'm going to have to get on a plane and go back to Canada. I'm going to have to close down the business. The other thing is that I'm legally only entitled to do this work in the United States. So I'd had literally no safety net. I couldn't go and get a job as a barista or a waitress or anything like that. So I don't recommend it. But in some ways, it was a gift because it really pushed me out of my comfort zone to ask for what I really desperately needed in that situation. That is an all new version of having no net underneath you on the trapeze, right? That's intense. So it's just like, I've got to make it happen. There's a certain amount of clarity and determination that has to happen when you got $20 in your pocket, you got oranges for dinner (laughs) and breakfast and lunch, and you have no backup plan. So you're just like, okay, let's just make it happen. Let's just do it. Did those first two clients flinch at the price? No. I mean, they definitely were master negotiators. They definitely negotiated. So I did negotiate with that first client and ended up selling him two books for $20,000. But you can imagine when you've got $20 in the bank, that's still for me a win. And I never told him that was my first time doing it. He ended up hiring me a few years later to do a second book. And I told him after the fact (laughs) that that was my first book in the situation that I'd been in. But you do want to be real and authentic, but you also want to have your clients trust and have faith in you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Karen, what has always blown my mind about you is that over these four years now that you've had Book at the Beach, you've really zoned in. It is like such a perfect example of niching down, niching down, niching down. You know exactly what the package is. You know, this is what it looks like. It's sexy as all get out. It's not just, oh, a writing retreat. And it's not just, hey, I'm a ghostwriter. This is why it's so special. It's such a cool, sexy package that totally separates you from other people. And yet, you do not market. 
I don't. I'm not going to say you're invisible. You're absolutely not invisible. But you, in the space that I live in of women entrepreneurs specifically who want to charge high-end stuff, the vast majority, as a matter of fact, I actually can't think of one who does not put in the time to do a podcast, build out community, build up their email list, make sure that they're doing like all of the email marketing, building up the clientele, having a referral program. I mean, all of the things that sound really exhausting. And oftentimes for for some of us, if you're listening to this and this is you, raise your hand. It just sounds like too much. It's like, I don't want that. And therefore, I'm not going to have this type of a program. And so we sort of cut ourselves out of it. So you don't market. You do very well. You have built a beautiful lifestyle business for yourself. Tell me what your marketing plan is. How do you make sure that you get your X amount of clients that you want per year? Well, so I'll say I do put in the time. It's just not necessarily in marketing. So I have a business that is 90 to 95% referral based. So in terms of selling, I focus on partnerships. The first thing I'd say is you need to focus on the value of the problem that you solve or the service that you provide. So one of the biggest differences for me is that I used to be trying to solve the wrong problem. So when I first started out, I had clients who lacked some confidence in terms of the content that they were going to be writing about. They weren't sure if the content they had was any good. So that's a whole different type of coaching when you're dealing with people who maybe have some limiting beliefs or they don't have the self-confidence to actually believe that what they're saying makes a difference. And as a result, I ended up going into a coaching mode of you can do it cheerfully leader rah, 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 which for me was not my highest expression. It's not where I found fulfillment. I just wanted people to publish their books. So they were saying things like, well, who am I to publish the book? And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> like, let's just, let's get, just get it done. Right. Right. So once I found this client who that's not what his problem was, his problem was not that he didn't think that there was value in his message. In fact, he believed wholeheartedly in his message. He had a huge amount of passion and his biggest problem was time. He just was too busy and successful that finding the focus time required to sit down and write on a regular basis was a near impossibility. So now I'm solving a different problem. You know, and the other thing with, in my case, about writing a book is that it's not a revenue generating activity. So they would either have to take time out of their businesses or take time out of their weekends and usually away from their families. And no one wants to do that either. And it's a long game, right? It's like, man, I got to invest a year or two years (laughs) to get this book done. But most of them can find three days. And my promise is that you'll walk out at the end of the three days with your first draft written and I will take care of everything for you from there. So that's a problem that that specific client will pay for. And I trial and error. I used to work with people that were in startup. I don't anymore. They don't have enough proof of concept usually. They don't have enough stories and they just don't have enough money. So now I'm working with people that have been in business for more than 5 years or they're serial entrepreneurs. They already get the value of a book as a marketing tool. I don't have to sell them on it. So all of this to say is like you want to know who your perfect client is. And the greatest thing about being a business owner is you get to say how your life goes. <laughs> so like, yes. who do you want to work with? How many hours a week do you want to work and then build a business around that? And so for me, it was like knowing the specific problem that I solve for them. And then having a really clear and remarkable solution to that problem is what made the difference. 
The second thing I do, and now I know who my client is, those guys aren't on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook because they're not there. Where they are is in like high-end mastermind groups and business groups and things like that. So I went and found out where they were. (laughs) And so I paid to play. I like joined some high-end mastermind groups that were like $15,000 and $30,000. And I didn't usually have it, but I would barter. I'll write you a book in exchange for this at first. I don't do it anymore. But I was like, if I can get one client out of this room... And like those guys love to make deals. They love to spend money. They love to say yes, but they are here and now they get distracted easily. So I just got myself in front of them. And now I belong to groups that are target-rich environments. Like everyone in the group is encouraged to write a book. So whatever that looks like for you, if you're listening, find out who your target reader is, where they're at, and then go meet them there. And if your target reader is on Facebook then great. But mine isn't. So that's the thing, right? Is I believe in the value of the problem I solve to them. And what's that worth to them to pay me to not have to write the book. And then I say, I don't sell, I create partnerships. So I only belong to a few groups, but the groups I belong to, I'm involved heavily in them. I have long-term and long-lasting and deep relationships in those groups. I am a client within those groups. Any services I need, I hire them. They hire me. And I've had groups that I've belonged to that weren't a fit that I've let go over the years. And so that's one of the things that I did early on was just go where your target client is. And that's how I do it. And then the other thing is I I will say I do pay referral fees for the right client. (laughs) And I pay pretty handsomely. It's usually 10%. So if you look at it for them, the person referring me, that's $1,500 for them. That's worth it for them to have a conversation because I'm essentially leveraging their relationship and all the work they've done to market and get the people in their sphere of influence and their tribe. I don't want to not value the work that they've done for that. So it's worth it to them at that price point. And I don't have that agreement with everyone, but I do have people that have consistently referred my perfect client to me (laughs) over and over again. And I happily pay for that. And I consider that my marketing budget. Yes. I love this conversation because this is so what I preach, which is non-spaghetti on the wall marketing, (laughs) not being everywhere because you feel like, like you have to be everywhere because, oh, everyone else is everywhere. I love that you started with what is the problem I'm solving and who is that person I'm solving it for? Getting really clear on that before you even think about marketing it. Before you even think... And it's funny and ironic that many business owners skip over that step. They just get into like, oh, let's announce it to the world and everyone should know. And then they spend an inordinate amount of time and energy on marketing that isn't really effective. So love that. That literally is a step-by-step of... I don't care if you've been in business for 10 years already. Rethink about those questions, the answers to those questions. What is the problem that you're solving? How are you solving it in a really dynamic and unique and special way? And who are you solving it for? And then ask yourself again, okay, who am I solving this for? Again and again and again, niche it down and then get really clear on where they are. I love that. Karen, so much of the work that I do individually with clients, many will come to me because they think like, oh, this is how you market, Katie. So you're going to tell me like, just tell me how you market. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's totally like dismantle this and start with those questions. And then we can come up with marketing. And no two clients look alike in the marketing plans that we come up with. No two clients. They all have different problems they're solving, different packages that they offer on how they do that, and then different people that they're needing to get in front of. 
And the other thing is I hate marketing. So one of the things about <laughs> being a business owner is people are like, oh, you have to do this. You should do this. You should do this. And I got to say, well, I hate doing that. And I'm actually not willing to hire someone else to do it for me. So what can I do that I love? And I am a people person. And ironically, I'm an extrovert, even though I'm a writer. So I'm like, well, I do love meeting people. I love getting to know them. And that just helps enrich, obviously, the quality of our working relationship and the quality of the book that they get because I know them really Really well. And then from their end, they trust me because whoever referred me, they already have established trust with them and or they have, oh, I wrote my book. Here's my book I did with Karen. So it just feels like a much easier way than cold calling people that you think need books. And I love that because it's leaning into your gifts, right? Like we're as entrepreneurs, we're not going to be great at all of the different hats that need to be worn inside a business, right? And so it really is over time, you really learn like, what do I love doing? And what am I just doing? And I'm going through the motions. And I know it because it's usually the thing that I procrastinate on because I hate doing it. Oh my gosh. And knowing that that could evolve too. I would imagine where you spend your time now is very different than where you spent your time in that first year of this particular program and getting even more clear and letting that evolve on what you really love doing now versus what you love doing back then. Yeah. I mean, I really still love the actual book at the beach. I love doing the content. I love overseeing the editing. I used to do it all. I used to do the editing. I used to do all the project management. I don't. I have a great small but mighty team of people that do that so I can just focus on... And the other ironic thing is I used to hate selling and now I love it. So now I get to focus on that and focus on the books at the beach and choose. And I also have the luxury. Once the thing is about money is that once you're stabilized in the business, you get to say no to clients if it's not a fit. So then you just get to focus on, do I love this person? Do I believe in what they're saying or the book they're trying to write? Am I personally interested in it? Is it something I want to work on rather than, well, crap, I need the money. So I'm going to take this client. Yes. So... Fast forward to now, what does business and life look like for you now? You've talked a lot about designing the life that you really love and having built a business over all these years that takes care of that. What does that look like now? Do you take X amount of clients a year? Do you have a future growth plan? What does it look like for you right now? I did have a goal to hit six figures in the business, which I met about two years ago. And since then, my goals have actually shifted away from business and more personal. I just bought a house. I was focused on getting a relationship, which I now have. But I really work 20 hours a week <laughs> for the most part. That fluctuates. If I'm doing a book at the beach, obviously, it's more. I don't cap the clients because it usually tends to work out. Every book project is at a different phase. Sometimes they get stalled. Sometimes I have a rush where I get four published all in a short amount of time. So like I said, I just go on, do I like this person? Do I think their book idea is valid? Is it something I haven't heard or read a million times already? Do I think I can help them? And here's one thing I've learned the really, really hard way. If your listeners don't know this already, how the project goes in that initial sales phase at the beginning is how the whole project is going to go. <laughs> I'm already imagining like the PETA client, right? Like somebody right. who really gives you a hard time at the front end. Well, if for 
first of all, I want clients that can afford that $15,000 that I don't want them to be struggling. I don't want it to stress them out. I don't want to have to chase after them for the money. So if they're questioning you... No, not that's fine if they have questions, but if they're questioning or pushing back on the value or there may be some resentment that gets built out through the course of the project. If they're late for the initial call, if they don't listen to you, if they're difficult at the beginning in the sales process, like how the project starts is how the whole project is going to go. So I used to think like, oh, once we sign the contract, then they're going to start listening to me. If you can't lead your client before they become a client you will not be able to do that the entire project. And I've had to learn that the hard way, either the books don't get published or I end up refunding them. And now I'm able to see it now. There's a few red flags for me and it will be different for everyone where I just know, well, this isn't going to be a fit for me. And so that's really more how I run things now is it's not necessarily a certain number of clients that are goals, but it's that all the clients I have love working with me and we love working with them. Love that. Like it's really about knowing if they're the dream client or not. Yeah. Yeah. I recently got connected with someone to do like a manual for a football league or something like that, which is like not even in my wheelhouse. But I was like, man, that sounds really interesting. Like, let's give it a try. And I'm honest with him. It's like, nope, I haven't done that. Not even a football fan. (laughs) (laughs) But there might be value to that, right? Like maybe I can provide an outsider's view to content and have questions that might be so intrinsic that you don't. So yeah, that's what I'd say. And then I get opportunities all the time, Katie, like I'm inundated regularly with like 10x your business and take your business to the next level. I'll be straight with you. I don't necessarily want to run a million dollar writing business because then you're dealing with different problems. That next phase of growth would then be dealing with probably with people and and staff issues more than I think at the first level of growth, it's really more personal issues. Yeah. The mindset issues, the process issues, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I love that you're talking about that because I think that there is such a pressure whether we can identify it as that or not, to always have to grow. And growth always has to look like more money, probably more staff, more clients, just more, 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 more. That 10x idea, right? If you're going to go at all, why not go big? Go Mm -hmm. big. You got to do it big. Which I'm moved by. Like I get impacted by that most definitely. I absolutely have that as a part of my core operating drive. Like, yes, I want to go and I impact millions. And keeping that in check with ultimately what is my lifestyle design? What is what I really want right now? Knowing that that can change in any particular season of my life. So does that tug at you at all? Do you have to kind of keep yourself in check to say like, is this really what I want to do? Do I want to grow? Do I want to offer something else that might jumpstart something new? Sure. But it's just about asking yourself the question. And sometimes the answer is yes, but I just used to react where it's like, oh, people would say, oh, you need this, you need to do this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about business. And then as time goes on, it's like, oh, okay, wait a second. Is This is actually stressing me out. Do I really want to do that? And I'll say my goals right now are actually on how can I work less or work the same and earn more. It's really is like, how do I work myself out of the business? So I'm going to be franchising the book at the beach. I'm going to be getting a training manual developed for others to start doing it. I had a few, I guess I'll call them scary situations where I realized like I'm doing everything in the business. If something happened to me, there would be no business. So I started getting systems in place so that the business would run without me. Hurricane Irma here was a big eye-opener for me because I have 70% of my clients are Florida-based. So had 
that hurricane hit like they'd predicted, all of a sudden funds that were allocated for book writing, I don't think would have been as important. They would have been reallocated to restoration and things like that. So right now I'm developing an online course on book writing masterclass, which is how to more of a done for you product. Cause I was like, that's one way of solving that problem. And then last year, my boyfriend's dad passed away really unexpectedly. I had to go and be with him. And I had four books going to print at the time, including mine. And I had still to work during that time. Now I was able to, cause I wasn't emotionally attached to that, but I was like, man, if this had been my parents, <laughs> I would have been on a plane and to Canada and gone for at least two weeks in no emotional state. And so that's when I hired a project manager who it, like, I'm like, no one else knows what's going on in yeah. my business or with those book projects. So those two situations really woke me up to be like, you need to get systems and processes in place and other people that know what's going on so that if you're not available or they're not available, that the business will still run without you. So that's more what my goals are right now. It's not even income goals as much as it is maybe operational goals. I love it. I love it. Karen, you are so full of so much wisdom. And I love it because over these five years, I've had the pleasure of seeing you evolve again from kind of doing everything in the writing space. One very specific thing really, really well in solving a real issue. And you do it so, so well. So thank you for being here and for sharing your journey and for sharing these little tidbits that are just... I know that they resonate with women entrepreneurs everywhere because we're like, yep, yep, that's exactly it. That's exactly And own your no, right? Once I decided, oh, I'm just going to write nonfiction books. Of course, I had lots of people say, well, will you do this? And I just be like, no. And and I just say straight up, no, I don't do that. And sometimes I'll refer them to other people. I know someone who can help you, but just don't be afraid to say no and to figure out what brings you joy and do that. Yes. Figure out what brings you joy and do more of that. Such a simple statement. Go rewind that for a second because such a simple statement is not always simple in the enacting of it, right? That's right. Implementation is difficult. And I mean, I guess the last thing I would say is there's that... I don't know if you've heard that great Picasso story about a woman came up to Picasso in a cafe and said, will you draw a self-portrait of me or a portrait of me? And he said, yes. And he sketched something out in 30 seconds. And she says, I'm willing to pay you whatever you think it's worth. And he says, well, I think it's $20,000. And she says, well, how is that? It only took you 30 seconds. And he said, well, no, it took me 40 years to figure out how to do it in 30 seconds. So Yes, I love that. I've never heard that story before. Yeah, so charge based... It might be an urban legend, but charge based on your experience, right? So if you hire me today, you're not just buying my time for that three-day book at the beach, but you're hiring the 10 years of experience and the hundreds of books I've written on to get that book done and over the finish line. So I would say the same for you. You've got experience that people will pay you for. It's not just, okay, this only took me 45 minutes because it didn't. This is why I'm such a believer in... Over the years, I've had a few people come back at me in my pricing for coaching, let's say. Oh, what do you mean? That's only a 90-minute session or oh, that's only 3 months of working together. And I was like, I don't charge by the hour. I charge by the solution. And that's exactly why you need to be clear on what's the pain, what's the unique solution. And standing in that no, as you say, of being able to say it because plenty of people out there will pay for it who need that solution. Yeah. And it's the solution for them, not for you. So stop making it about the money. It's about the problem that you solve. Yes. Yes. I love this. Karen, thank you so much for your brilliance. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by ActiveCampaign, the only email marketing system you'll ever need. 
After nine years with the same email marketing provider that I was really, really not happy with, I was desperately searching for one that was simple, easy to manage, and affordable. ActiveCampaign easily stood out above the rest, and I have been ridiculously happy with them ever since I made the switch. Emailing my community and creating automation series for special resources has never been so simple. Whether you're ready to start your first email marketing setup or you are searching for a new provider, I highly recommend ActiveCampaign. Go check them out at bizwomenrock.com forward slash AC. That's for ActiveCampaign. bizwomenrock.com forward slash AC. AC.